when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. we got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. I'm going to tell you something. I want to go tell our story. I, I'm tired as hell of turning on ESPN and Sports Center and people getting to pick what the hell they want to say about us. we got a bunch of young guys that came here for a damn reason. I want to tell our story on national television. I'm tired of people talking about us. I want to go tell our story. That's why the hell we're all here. So we can tell our story. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls <laughs> on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, Shane, I got a little bit of exciting news here for our listeners. You know, we're a big podcast that uh, we really like to show appreciation for everyone that tunes into the show. You know, there's any podcast you could be out there listening to, but you're listening to this one, and we want to give a special thanks. I know we're always talking about the five-star hearts and written reviews and all that. That really does help us out. And uh, now we want to offer something to all the listeners. We went and got ourselves some That SEC Podcast beer koozies. Yeah. We got four different ones here, Shane. We got a a black and white one. We got an orange and white one. We got a red and white. And then we got a blue and white. We got a wide range of selections there that uh, hits on just about all the SEC teams. We'll probably have more of these in the future. But we got a hundred of them. And what we're going to do... If you leave us a five-star hearts, give us a rating and review, a written review, we're going to send these bad boys out to you free of charge just as a way of saying thanks. And you don't have to worry about uh, your information. You know, we're not sharing this with a company. We're not asking you to provide anything you're not comfortable providing with. Reach out to Shane or I, uh, either on Twitter, on the Reddit. Uh, You can even email us at thatsecpodcast at gmail.com with that information. So just kind of take a screenshot that you subscribe and you've you've given a rating and review. And uh, we'll send this out. I'm the one. I'm personally doing this. I'm not outsourcing it. So... We got 100 of these, depending on uh, how quick they go. If they go quick, I'll order another 100, and we'll do it again. But uh, we just wanted to take the time out to just, you know, really show our appreciation and just uh, send you guys something because we we really do appreciate all the support you guys give us. Absolutely, man. That's awesome. And uh, I saw them. They came in the other day, so I got my orange and white one ordered already. (laughs) 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 So I appreciate everybody, really. Uh, because the rating and reviews really have taken off and uh, it's it's you guys is why we do this so uh, just a little appreciation and appreciate Mike because he's the one really doing all the work here 
As usual. <laughs> I'll drink to that. <laughs> All right, Shane, let's get back to uh, regularly scheduled content here. And uh, before we go around the league, Shane, I saw this clip. Oh, Urban, Lion Urban Meyer. He was at <sighs> the uh, Little Rock Touchdown Club. You know, they have a speaking engagement there where this is the same place that had uh, Bobby Petrino, <laughs> where he rolled in on his motorcycle just a couple weeks ago. And latest coach was Urban Meyer, Shane. And, you know, I understand that's a big guess. That's a good get. I would I would imagine they sold that thing out just to hear this guy talk. But uh, we're going to share a little clip from it, Shane. And <laughs> I got a feeling old <laughs> Urban, I don't think he did any amount of research heading into this one. <laughs> Coaches care about one thing, winning. And how do you win? You have to recruit. If you can't recruit the best of the best of the best, I, you can be Canute, and it's not going to happen for you. You need players. This is not the NFL. And so so I, I think that's it's Chad Morris, right? I think that's Chad Morris's challenge. But obviously, you know, uh, Petrino got it going, you know, but it's, it's not been, you know, it's not been. This, this to me, is a 10-win you know, program. This to me is a place that the Arkansas once again that I remember that I know. Are you kidding me? It's Arkansas, t- but t- I don't t- know t- the t- challenges yeah. about the. You know, so Arkansas is now playing South Carolina, uh, you know, Gainesville. You know, they're playing teams over there as opposed to teams here. And so I, I don't, I'd never talked to Chad about it. I never actually talked to anybody about it. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> All right, Shane. I mean, it was bad enough he fucked up Newt Rockies. <laughs> he, he didn't know how to say that. Uh, he apparently did not know the name of Arkansas's head coach. <laughs> he says they're pl- they play in Gainesville on the schedule. I think he means Florida, but they don't even play Florida, so I don't know what in the hell he's talking about here, Shane. I think uh, I think Urban's off his meds here. Yeah, that's right. Looked at his hand. Uh, uh, Chad Morris, right? It is Chad Morris, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's still here. Oh, man. But it's funny just because this thing has – like you said, they've had Petrino. I'm surprised Gus Malzahn hasn't been up there yet. You know, get, get old, uh, old Brett back, you know, have him one more hoorah. I'm, I'm wondering if Jerry Jones took uh, took Urban out, you know, after this. You know, I said, hey, man, let me take you out to eat and maybe do a little, <laughs> little politicking to see if he can get him back here coaching at Arkansas. But, uh, uh, yeah, this is an absolute joke and an embarrassment, you know, because these guys put in a lot of effort to make these uh, – these uh these things happen and and uh, coach usually is prepared but man he just had he had nothing Mm-mm. yeah and it, it it was a bad look I <laughs> it, it looked horrible <laughs> all right Shay you ready to go around the league let's do it now let's go now around let's the go league, around the league. Uh, my my daughters said something about. Me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm gonna wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up, and you should um, you know play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you.
All right, Shane, so Auburn's on a bye, so we're just going to hit on them quickly before we kind of preview a couple more matchups here. But uh, we had a bit of breaking news Tuesday afternoon, some terrible news for the Tigers. Old Booby Whitlow, their leading rusher, he suffered an injury. He's going to be out, I believe they're saying, what is it, four to six weeks, Shane? Yeah. Uh, Now, the only silver lining here, uh, obviously this season there's a double – Buy and Auburn, both their buys fit in that time, so that's good. Um, but that obviously is going to rule him out for the LSU game. That's huge because that one's in Baton Rouge. But uh, they're going to get him back potentially based on this timeline for Georgia at home and Alabama at home. So that's that's huge. Uh, thoughts on uh, the SEC's number two leading rusher, Shane, out of the lineup here for Auburn. Man, it's, it's a big hit, you know. They just keep losing out of that game, you know. I didn't even know that he was hurt until the till today, actually. So mm-hmm. this one caught me off guard, and you know, we something we discussed yesterday was just, you know, this this Gus offense is all hinges on the running game, and <laughs> yeah, buddy, now it's a party. And uh, oh, Whitlow, you know, he he didn't do much last week but you know maybe that's why they lost you know they just weren't able to get that running game going and and uh you, you hate to hear you know because they were they were a team that was starting to get healthy at the right time and now now they're taking a step back here yeah now we, they got uh, their next game is at arkansas and like i hinted at there at lsu the following week so back-to-back road games we just saw bo nick struggle on the road certainly not saying that uh you know it's the same as going to the swamp but they're going to have to get that ground game going now without Booby Whitlow. And I'm trying to think of how that's going to happen, Shane. I don't think it's going to be that. I was just going to say, who do they turn to now? Yeah, that's where I was going to go, Shane. I think uh, I think we might even see a little bit more Joey Gatewood. I'm surprised we didn't see him more considering Bo Nix's struggles. Just to give a little bit of uh, extra ground game there. And then they do have uh, DJ Williams, a freshman running back who... He was slowed. I believe he got hurt in fall camp, but he's starting to come on now. I, I really think they're going to get him a lot of looks. And then the guy that the, obviously they hit on after the, this Florida game who didn't get enough looks, they really got to get Anthony Schwartz going in the ground game with a lot of those jet sweeps and trick plays mm-hmm. and what have you. I think a combination of those three players should make up for the loss of Booby Whitlow. Not to say you know it's not a loss because it's a huge loss, but – uh, those are the three guys that I think really need to step up their production for Auburn to kind of uh, make something of this. Yeah, I didn't think about the Joey. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of surprised now that you said that, looking back, that he didn't get any playing time during that Florida game. You know, even if it was just a couple of design draws or, you know, uh, you know, read options or something like that. They just, uh, I, I just think he was just so pumped up about Bo you know he just he felt like his game has excelled and he's already moved on to the next level and away games don't bother him I just think maybe Gus wasn't as prepared and I think he will be going into uh uh, next week Mm -hmm. all right Shane well let's get back to the week seven action because we got a couple games here and let's start in Lexington where Mark Stoops met with the media here and you know, the Kentucky Wildcats on a bit of a slide here, but obviously the same could be said for Arkansas. But I think the Razorbacks, 
They're showing against Texas A&M. That, that's giving them some life, kind of like you're a Tennessee yeah. fan. You know how that, that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Looked good against Georgia. That's something to build on. Arkansas's got that same thing going. Both these teams coming off a bye. Uh, this is going to be, you know, this is the one we kind of circled for Kentucky where you, you look past Arkansas as, well, that's an automatic win going into the season. But now that they've they've started to slide, now that they have quarterback issues, this is a questionable game here, Shannon. When the line came out, they were not even a touchdown favorite. How big is this game for Kentucky, considering they're coming off three losses? And then looking at it this way, Shane, after this Arkansas game, they go to Georgia, and then they get Missouri at home. I mean, these are this is an incredibly tough stretch. Uh, this Arkansas game is huge. It's very, very big. And, you know, we were getting on to Kentucky people, or not Kentucky people, but – other fans that didn't know about Kentucky, about respect, and they just Kentucky just seemed to never get it. And they were starting to get to that point. If they could have beat Florida, I think we have a different narrative at this moment. But they weren't able to, and they and they've been sliding, and they just they haven't found their their footing yet. And and I, you know, this is one of those games, like you said, it's the start of the season. I would have said, oh man, Kentucky's going to win this thing without a doubt. Now I'm like, I don't know, man. This is kind of a coin toss here. And both teams can make a statement on Saturday, you know. One of them's going to come out ahead, and is it going to be Kentucky bouncing back? And, you know, they, I, I feel like Kentucky needs to get back to what Kentucky does, and that's running the ball, getting behind these offensive line. The offensive line's been – was garbage last week, and I think that they need to bounce back and uh, make a statement out here. Those are big boys. These guys know how to do it. They've got great running backs. Don't put so much pressure on Smith and just get back to Kentucky football. And I think if they do that back to fundamental play, I think Kentucky can bounce back and we can start talking about them, you know, being competitors again. Yeah, now how about this angle, Shane? One thing we've not talked about, I don't think Kentucky football fans get enough respect you know, we all hear the obvious jokes. It's just a basketball school. We heard that all last year. But those fans showed up in a lot of key situations and really spurred their team on last year. They did the same this season early, particularly in that Florida game. I mean, that was a, a rowdy environment. But that was the last home game, Shane. And then they, you know, they played South Carolina. They played Mississippi State both on the road, lost those games. I don't know how much the home field will play – a factor in the outcome of the game, but it is basketball season not to go there. You know, it's starting up there in Kentucky. How engaged yeah. are these fans going to be? Are they going to show up? Are they going to support their team? Or have they just kind of, you know, mailed this one in because the team's struggling? I don't have an answer to that. No, I don't think we will until Saturday. So I'm, I'll be very curious to see how the Kentucky fans come out because they're going to need them, I think, in this one. I don't think it's going to be uh, by any means a, a one-sided game like I thought it would be coming into the year. Now, is this a noon game? Yeah, this is uh, 7, 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central. Okay, well, that's good. I think a, I think that a night game helps when your fans are down. You know, those noon games are tough to get up for. And, uh, you know, it just, it wasn't, that, I mean, this time last year, Cash was in the Walmart parking lot selling tickets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they created that buzz last year. They had the buzz at the start of the season. I don't think the, I don't think Kentucky's ready to give up on them, but damn, if they drop another one, I, like you said, with basketball around the corner, these fans may be back out again. All right, Shane, let's jump over to Mark Stoops, who hit on the status of Sawyer Smith. 
kind of sounds like he's still kind of up in the air, or at least still dinged up, uh, on playing in an SEC game that you really aren't familiar with the other team. This is one of those games where Kentucky and Arkansas very rarely meet, so they're not very familiar with the Razorbacks. And then finally on this game, if it's a make or break for his program. Kind of reload and get ready for this next phase of the season. Is the plan so for Sawyer to throw today? Is that what you're yeah, so he's he's took a solid week off, and he needed that. And um, the word I got, you know, from our trainer here this morning was that he feels significantly better. Um, so that'll be the plan. We'll see. I'm not trying to withhold any information on you guys. It just is what it is. He's he's banged up. You guys know that. Uh, you know the other options that we've been working and. Uh, but we'll proceed with Sawyer and anticipate him being the starting quarterback and being able to play this week. So, um, you know, that's the plan, and we'll see how the week goes. Well, what's it like, Eric? It's a conference game, but there's no familiarity there. Yeah, it, it is very different and unique. Um, you know, I go back with Coach Beal, and, you know, Brett and I are friends and, uh, you know, knew each other for a long time. So I remember looking at the schedule and, and uh, not having them on there. I don't, I don't know what happened. Y'all probably know better than me early on when I got here with the schedule and, and uh, somehow we ended up playing. I think the only team on the West we've played twice since I've been here was Alabama, um, but we never played Arkansas. So uh, this would be the first time. And uh, so, um, you know, there is no familiarity, but uh, you know, it is what it is. We do that all the time. You know, we, we play teams that we're not familiar with and maybe haven't played, whether it's out of conference or any of that. Yeah, but it is new. You know, it's new. I don't know their personnel as much and um, don't know them. Of course, of course Coach Smith, uh, Michael Smith, was there uh, with Bill Munn and, uh, um, you know, can fill us in a bit on personnel, but obviously the rest of the roster's turned over quite a bit as well. All right, Shane. So, like I said, Sawyer Smith, it doesn't sound too positive. Obviously, he got... You know, he'll have two weeks to prepare for this one. Uh, but this will be an interesting game, considering Kentucky's not really seen Arkansas. You know, none of the players on either side has, has played one another. So that makes a – it also makes it a little more interesting going into this matchup, wouldn't you think? Yeah, and it's something I didn't even know. You know, it's just – that I hate it, man. I, I, I hope that they fix this at some point. There's, there's teams – not playing each other, you know, some not there's some head coaches that's coaching the SEC that's not played every SEC team, you know, because they're fired or mm-hmm. they move on. They're the same thing with the players, you know, they're there three, four, five years even and they're not getting to play every team. So uh this shouldn't be like a I don't know, like such a new event, you know. This is like he's it's out here talking like a about a conference game. That's, that's it, man. I was thinking, like, he's talking about Troy all of a sudden, you know. It's just <laughs> – it's kind of got that vibe, and, and I just – I hate that in the SEC. These guys should play more. So, uh, I do think it's going to get corrected at some point. Probably when Saban retires and then he runs the committee, you know, then he'll maybe say <laughs> <laughs> change the rules or something. Him and Steve get together. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Chase, so let's jump over to the other side of this. We hit on a little bit there, but uh, the Razorbacks – Woo pig! They seem to get – some momentum there against Texas A&M. You know, they they threaten like they always do in that game, but they also came up short like they always do in that game. And Nick Starkle, you know, for all the praise we've given him, he did he looked pretty shaky in that one, and that was obviously coming after the five-interception San Jose State game. 
Uh, and they're sticking with him, even though Ben Hicks looked—I thought he looked very good against A and M. So I kind of kind of credit Chad Morris for sticking to his guns here. But uh, this is a game, Shane, where Arkansas in their passing game, Trey Knox a little banged up, but if he's good to go. I think these Arkansas receivers in this passing game, they should have an advantage against Kentucky's thin and banged-up defensive backfield. Uh, th- that's going to be a critical factor for this game. Uh, so Chad Morris was asked about uh, Nick Starkle's status, gave a little update on that, and then on how tough it is to prepare for an offense because we don't, we still don't know if Sawyer Smith's going to go, Shane. It's, it could be Lynn Bowden under center. I mean, they've been toying with that. <laughs> so that's something Chad Morris hit on. Uh, so let's jump over to the Arkansas coach. Coach, you talked about getting a lot of the wide receivers back. I assume you also mean Trey Knox. Could you just kind of go into where his health status is and also with Starkle and, uh, and his contusion? Yeah, Nick worked out last week, um, you know, and, and uh, so he, he's ready to go. He's he's full, uh, full speed as well. Uh, you know, Trey Knox, Trey was out. Uh, uh, he was in a, a normal jersey last night at practice, running around, looked good. Uh, so we anticipate him being back and, and being out there. And um, so it was good to see him back. He, I know he spent some time after practice. Um, he and Nick working on a few things, and so that's what that's what you hope to have. But the the thing that sticks out more than anything is is how dynamic he is with the ball in his hands. I mean, he's electric. Whether he's returning kicks. Uh, at wide receiver. I mean, they do a great job of, of trying to get the ball to him. Um, and now, you know, I'm sure he'll line up some at quarterback. Uh, he'll line up at running back. He'll line up back at wide receiver. He'll be all over the field, and we're prepared for that. Uh, but uh, the guy is, is definitely a difference maker. He's very impressive to watch. Sure, which quarterback is going to play for another team. Do you prepare for two or three guys, and do you spend time on each of them? Well, I think you you know you you have to you, you have to look at that uh, what are the possibilities um, you know when you get when you get Lynn in there you, you you know that I mean you can't go to sleep he can throw the football he's a high school quarterback uh, watch him throw the football and so you can't just say he's automatically running the ball I mean you got to be you know you got to be aware of of his talent and his skill set um, and you know the rush lanes and keeping him contained. Uh, and then, you know, you got the others that come in, whether it's Walker or Sawyer. I mean, both of these guys can throw the football and, and uh, move around. But um, so, yeah, you, you, have to, you have to prepare for what, what each one does and each one's strengths and weaknesses. So, yeah. I should have mentioned this while we were talking about Kentucky, but uh, Chad Morris is also talking about, uh, you know, obviously the fact they don't know who the quarterback will be for Kentucky. I just wanted to throw this at you because I thought it was pretty hilarious, but uh, I'd give them credit, but I, I'm not sure who it was. But I did see a tweet. It was like a poll of Kentucky fans asking who they want to see under center for this game. And far and away, Lynn Bowden was number one. Number two was Cash Daniel. <laughs> and like fourth or fifth place was Sawyer Smith. So they're pretty fed up with him, which I think is I think is really unfair because he's been banged up. But I think that just kind of goes to show where the current state of Arkansas's quarterback room is where they they seem to have no answer at this point, and that's uh, that's going to be trouble going into this one. You know the thing, I I, I think Smith's the guy. Uh, like he said, he's been banged up. Coach gave him a week off, and I, you know this. I mean, there was a time when I wanted uh, AJ Johnson to be the quarterback. You know, when they did the beast package, you remember that, or at least play back at running back. There's. 
you could get carried away. You don't want Cash back there. You don't want Bound back there. He's your best threat on the outside. And if he's taking the snaps, you took away one of your best receivers. So there's no threat to throw. And uh, I, granted, he played quarterback in high school. I get that. And and I do think that if, if he does play some of that wildcat formation, I do think that he's – they're going to have to have some design passes for him, man. They're going to have to – you know, or if they're just going to keep stacking the box like South Carolina did. So mm-hmm. I think Smith's your guy. We gave him a week to rest. Let him get out there. Get, let him just let him just throw, man. Not 42 times. We got to be balanced, you know. We got to, but that all starts, like I said earlier, with the offensive line. I think it all boils down to the trenches. And if they can give Smith or Bound or even Cash, if he shows up back there, time to throw, they're going to be all right. But if they do like they did against South Carolina, well, then they ain't going to win this game. Now, should I ask you how important this game is for Kentucky? What about for Arkansas? Keep in mind, Listen to their schedule down the stretch here after this Kentucky game, Shane. They got to play Auburn at home. Then they got to go to Alabama. Then they get Mississippi State at home. Western Kentucky, that's a winnable game, obviously. But then uh, they finish up LSU and Missouri. I mean, my God, Shane. I mean, this is, uh, <laughs> we're looking at another 2 and 10 type year if they drop this one. Are they at two wins right now? Yeah, okay, we're three and nine, so three and nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? They got but, it. but if they win this they, they, one, I think they could, uh, You know, like I said, I think they got some momentum, but uh, I just don't know how the morale of this team is if you, if you can't beat a Kentucky team that, that may not have a quarterback. But you could get a little, like you said, you could get a little momentum here. Uh, there's no... I, I think it's stupid when people say there's no moral victory. Last week was was, I think... Arkansas feels a little bit better about their situation in that game. They wish they would have won, obviously, because they had an opportunity, plenty of opportunities to win. But, you know, the Arkansas is kind of at a I, – I think it's bigger for Morris than it is the actual team. I think, you know, if he can win this game, if he can uh, – who was the other one? There was Western Kentucky. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's the, the only layup okay, left so, on their schedule. And, and then, so you're looking at that at that point, five games, and then you can maybe do a, I don't know, maybe Mississippi State's the only other. Op- but I mean, there's a there's an outside chance that they could still make a bowl game, and and dude, that gets people off of you. You make a bowl when you, something you haven't been able to do in a long time. So, uh, no, this is this is one of those games you gotta have. So it's I think it's just as big. I think it's bigger for Kentucky's fans to win, and I think it's bigger for Coach Morris to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's his name, right, Chad Morris? <laughs> and keep in mind, Shane, Chad Morris never beaten a Power 5 team. That's that's still an incredible stat. Oh, man, yeah, you've got to fix that. <laughs> All right, let's uh, jump on down to Athens, Shane. Oh, dog, sick him! where Georgia is going to host South Carolina. Last year, obviously, there was a ton of hype on this game. I was calling it early for Georgia to bring down a whooping. A lot of people a lot of people were picking South Carolina to win that one. Obviously, it didn't happen that way. But this time, the Gamecocks got two weeks to prepare. They're coming mm-hmm. off a huge win themselves. They kind of righted the ship there. It's amazing you know, how hot a seat can get in the SEC and then no one talks about it after a win. I mean, that, that that's how huge it is. And, yeah. you know, South Carolina still searching for that signature win. 
in the Will Muschamp era. This would certainly be it. But let me ask you this, Shane. I think, you know, I've been I've been a little disappointed with Georgia this season. Obviously still undefeated. Everything's in front of them. Not saying they can't win the SEC. Not saying they're not the favorite to win the East. I think they certainly still are. And it doesn't really matter how you start. You know, if they keep gaining momentum, uh, this could obviously still be a very dangerous team, a college football playoff team. With I have no question about that. But let me ask you this, Shay, because Tennessee came out, punched him in the mouth, you know, really got mm-hmm. some momentum. Is there a chance that woke this Georgia team up? Because after Tennessee got up, I mean, that Neyland Stadium crowd was, was just in an uproar. And then from that on, that point on, I mean, it was just a damn Georgia domination. Mm-hmm. Uh, will that will we see that continue in the South Carolina game? You think? You know, it's funny because they've had really one test, the Notre Dame. You know, they they pounced on them early, and then Tennessee comes out. Mm-hmm. This is a team they're overlooking. If they would have beat us uh, forty-two to nothing and it was never a contest like from start to finish, I think there's a chance that they could have overlooked South Carolina. Now, that being said, when this thing was 14-12, and yeah, we're hanging our hat on 14-12 up here in Tennessee, but Georgia needs to look at that, look themselves in the mirror and say, man, we can't do this. I mean, this is Tennessee. We should have been up from the start to the finish. This shouldn't even have been a, a contest. By the end of the first quarter, we should have had this thing wrapped up. That's the kind of attitude they got to have because they're competing for national championship, man. And sometimes you can get lost looking at the future. And and teams like South Carolina are teams that that have nothing to lose, man. I mm-hmm. mean, you th- you saw what they did against Alabama. They dialed up everything they had. They're going to do the exact same thing with Georgia. And there's, you know, the thing I like about South Carolina is that rush defense. Unlike Tennessee, you're not going to be able to run as easily as you have uh, the last few weeks here. Um, this is a this is a stingy front. I mean, this is a team that only gave up 70 yards rushing to Alabama. You know what I'm saying? So they know how to stop the run, and that's kind of been your bread and butter. So not that Fromm can't win it with his arm because he's very, very talented. This is a very talented Georgia team, but – I think Georgia, um, I mean, obviously it's played in Athens, but this is one of those noon kickoff games, man, you just don't like to see. I'll never forget, we had an early game against Georgia uh, when Tennessee was high on them, you know, and they came in, and that's the Dobnell boot play, you know, it's just... Mm -hmm. We just couldn't get into it. Just it was just blah the whole time. Those those games sneak up on you, and like I said earlier, Gamecocks are going to come out and they're going to come out swinging. So Georgia cannot afford to keep playing from behind because if they do that, they're going to catch one of these teams that catch fire, and they're just not going to be able to catch up. You know the biggest disadvantage of playing at noon for Georgia? What's that? We won't be able to see them pretty red lights. Uh, let me ask you do you think i mean what do you got to see here let's just say what what does south carolina have to do to what would i guess to win this game do you think it's yeah i'll tell you shane because this is where i was going to go to when you kick it over to me but last season what was the thing that just doomed him in this one it was you know Bentley threw a bad interception. I think it I think it was at the very beginning. It was a pick six. But South Carolina 
was not technically out of it at that point. I think they rallied a little bit. But mm-hmm. then by the third and fourth quarter, particularly the third quarter, if I recall, it was this Georgia offensive line just treated the South Carolina front seven like their damn children. They were just, <laughs> I mean, they did what, whatever they wanted with them. And yeah. that's where South Carolina wilted. And it was not only that game, but that was the game that really exposed them for it. And it happened all season long. And that's kind of why I was so high on South Carolina coming into this year because they're bringing most of those guys back. They got other guys emerging. I really expect a lot out of this front seven. And it's not to say we haven't seen it. I think we have seen it, but I I think it's been overshadowed by the the slow start. So this is the game where this offense and defensive line, it's time for them to man up. It's time for the excuses to end. This is year four of the Muschamp era. I know they don't have as many players as Georgia, but hell, Shane, you can only put 11 on the field at a time. So I think uh, South Carolina's... You know, their, their first line on both sides matches up fairly well with Georgia, but it's time to see it. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm going with this one. Do you think uh, Kirby has these boys ready? Because I, I, I don't think they were ready uh, against the Tennessee game. I, I just don't. I don't. I think they just came in there expecting just to just the script, get the scores, go to bed. You know, it just felt that way. And, and when they figured out they got to play, they did turn, there was like a switch they hit and they were running hundred miles an hour. What is it? What is Kirby going to, going to have to do to not have these boys flip that switch two, three quarters in, but right there at kickoff. Yeah. I think that's the challenge. Cause I think, I think this damn Georgia team, they've probably been, all off season, reading the press clippings is what it seems like because they out-talent mm-hmm. everyone. They're tougher. They're more physical. They need to bring that for four quarters, and we just haven't seen it. So that's kind of why I'm down on them. But that is a flip that can be switched. But I, yeah. you know, I don't know. We just got to see it on the field. Uh, so let's jump over here to Kirby Smart, Shane, because he was asked about uh, Halinski and kind of these freshman quarterbacks that are taking over the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> Halinski, that this was a guy that Georgia wanted. This was a big win for South Carolina to get him on campus. And then uh, Georgia's facing a ton of teams. I think it's like four or five teams, Shane, that have two weeks to prepare. This is one of them. Uh, so let's jump it over. Let's kick it over to Kirby Smart talking about this matchup. Yeah, I think it's a trend that you're going to see because, number one, they're, they're getting hit more, so there's a chance of injury. They're running more. There's greater chance of injury. So you're seeing backups who happen to be true freshmen because quarterbacks don't usually stay the long haul and they, they leave. So you're seeing more backups. Um, but you're also seeing more talented freshmen arrive. And this young man is talented. This young man has a talented arm strength. He can make all the throws. To see him go in the games he went in, I mean, just just look at the Alabama tape. He went out and played against one of the elite defenses in the country and and spun the ball as good as anybody. He's got a great release. Uh, he's got intuition on throws, very instinctive, and he he he's going to be a really good player in this league for a long time, in my opinion. The reality that you deal with it's kind of like the kickoff time. I, you don't have control over it. You 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 take it and you go and you do the best job you can with it. Um, in a two off week year, I found that it seems like obviously there's more opportunities just statistically for that to happen. So when there's a two off week season, which there is this year, there's more that have that that chance of happening. And you, you worry about it as a coach, but there's something you can't control. So when you can't control it, 
you, you know, you just move on and you say, look, hey, maybe we didn't start good defensively last week because we were off the week before. You know, sometimes there's there's some rust there and you um, playing a game sometimes is good for you. You get to grow and develop. I do think the healing part is helpful and getting fresher um, recovery time. Those things are probably beneficial for the team that's off. But at the end of the day, I mean, you got to go out there and play the game and uh, everybody's playing the same number of games. So... I'm ready to start it right now. I mean, Hot Rod does a great job. He does everything he's asked. He's a, a great leader on our team. He's very consistent, and uh, he has a approach to the game and a approach to his method of doing things that uh, is unique to him. And he believes in it. And um, we trust him a lot, and uh, he's been a, he's been a tremendous leader, you know, just in this room with our team because people see how hard Rod works. So uh, it's an honor to have him on here, and he works really hard. All right, Shane. I think it's interesting that Kirby is uh, praising this young man because he has been good, Holinsky. That is, but if I'm Kirby Smart, if I'm telling the truth, I think he's very eager to get a true freshman coming into Athens because I think uh, <laughs> I think he's ready for him. Well, Kirby's never met a freshman quarterback he didn't like, has he? <laughs> he pumps them all up, Dottie. So that's what he wants, man. He wants this crowd to be there. He wants them to be rowdy. Maybe that's what it takes to jumpstart this thing because they were jumping at the Notre Dame game. I just think that, you know, I mean, that was like their first true test. I think this is going to be a different story. I think if the if the fans get into it, the players get hyped before the game, this is one of those that could either be a a close nail-biter at the end or it could be a blowout. It just depends on which Georgia shows up. Well, let's kick it over to the other side of this one, Shane. Will Muschamp met with the media here on Tuesday, and he was asked about the status of Ryan Holinsky on what makes Georgia's running game so damn good and the breakout season of Rico, Rico Dowell, Shane. You know, that's a guy that uh, outside of South Carolina fans probably not getting the respect he deserves. He's been one of the the better breakout players in the entire league, in my opinion. And it was interesting. You know, this is something that you hit on on a previous show, how we've not really heard the name Taven Feaster all that much. And I mm-hmm. think it's because it's uh, lit a fire under uh, Dowell's ass here and it just pushed him to be a better player. That's something kind of Will Muschamp. He didn't mention Feaster, but it's pretty clear that's who he's referencing here. Um, I mean, Dow's having a big game, and if they're going to pull the upset, Shane, kind of like I was saying, it's got to start in the line of trenches, obviously. But, you know, I'm very high on Halinski, but I do not think he's ready to go on the road and carry this team to a victory. I think it's got to come on the ground game. They've got to shorten this game, take possessions away from Georgia, and it's probably got to be Dowell and and Feaster just having career games. I think that's the recipe for success. Uh, So let's kick it over here to Will Muschamp, and then we'll talk about it on the back end. Will, how was uh, Ryan's progress in the off week, and did he have a chance to kind of reset after, you know, getting thrown in maybe earlier than he expected? Well, I think he's done really well. I mean, obviously, he would have loved to have played better in, in Missouri, um, but I think he's handled uh, the situation and the circumstances extremely well. 
He's progressed well. He's practiced well. He's taken all the reps. And, and I think, again, the more turns and reps you get, the more better you're going to uh, improve. And and, um, and he certainly uh, is a guy that's worked extremely hard to put himself in this position to play well, and we expect for him to play well. It seems like with Georgia they managed to generate a really strong, powerful downhill running game despite not necessarily going with a lot of uh, 21 or 12 personnel. What is there something schematic that sort of goes into that, or is a lot of that just you have the personality and you're the personnel and you go from there? They're really talented at running back, and they're really talented on their offensive line, and they got a quarterback that gets them in and out of the right run schemes. So they're when you mix all that together, that mixes for a pretty good run game. Uh, with with Rico, coach, being able to see him take his game to a next level this year, how, how much of that do you think has just been created from just the competition that's been created in that running back room? Well, I think that competition helps you, and that's when you want you have a deep, talented roster, and that's what we're building to. And it takes time; it's frustrating at times, but that's that's you know ass on bench. That's the best motivator we got. And um, you know, I say it all the time: guys want to, they all want to play. And they all want to be out there, and they all want to start, and they all want to be on the field. So uh, there's no question competition uh, is a great motivator for us. We're not all self-starters as players. They, you know, they all want to, um, you know, be on the field and start. And that's just that's just the way it is. So I think that that's certainly at that position we've we've done a nice job there as far as the competition is concerned. You got three seniors that are all very capable guys that can uh, do a really nice job for us. But Rico's always been a very talented guy and has always worked pretty hard. He just always had a history of some injuries and some things that have been set him back. All right, Shane. So ass on a bench is a great motivator, says Will Muschamp. <laughs> I mean, he keeps delivering these classic lines here and uh, I think he, you know, he put it perfectly here. Absolutely, man. I mean, could you imagine being down just, you know, this is your job. You know it's yours. You're going to be the starting running back for the South Carolina Gamecocks. And all of a sudden, Feaster comes up, and they done made him a locker and everything, just trying to recruit <laughs> him up there. You know what I'm saying? I think you're right. I think it lit a, a fire under this kid. And and he was he ran angry against Kentucky. So uh, that's what you got to have, man. You got to have somebody that gets in there, especially against a team like Georgia, that just has no quit in them that, you know, just does everything he can to get additional two more, two yards, you know, or three yards or whatever he can, because every inch is going to count during this game. Mm-hmm. Now, Shane, before we move on to another matchup, I did want to make this note, sophomore linebacker, Ernest Jones, Georgia product, obviously starts for South Carolina. He was asked about returning home. I just thought this was a great comment here. Ernest Jones, no fan of the Bulldogs. <laughs> did you have any allegiance to Georgia growing up, or are you not really a Bulldogs fan? Oh, no, I did not like Georgia. Who were you a fan of? South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> you said you didn't like Georgia growing up. Is there a particular reason? Anything or just? No, nah, it's, not, it's not personal against them. It's just everybody where I'm from just loves Georgia. So, I, no, nah, not you me. You just wanted to be different. Yeah, I wanted to be different. I definitely did. And I can't, I can't wait for Saturday. All right, Shane. That's awesome. I just love these clips when we get these players to kind of, you know, come out and tell the how they really feel for a moment here. But <laughs> there's always these kids that, you know, there's probably a lot of pressure on them to go with the in-state school, but for whatever reason just was never a fan of them. And uh, South Carolina's got a good one here. And Ernest Jones, this will be his first game here in Sanford Stadium. He sounds like he's pretty fired up to, to face the Bulldogs. <laughs> That's awesome. I like I wish we had more of those. 
All right, Shane, so we got another matchup here in the SEC, another one of these crossover games, Ole Miss at Missouri. M-I-Z! Uh, unfortunately, no clip of Barry Odom here. He's one of the tougher ones to track down. They, Missouri, for whatever reason, just does a really poor job of uh, sharing clips here. But uh, he met with the media on Tuesday, says uh, Kelly Bryant, you know, Basically said he was the, it was the best Tuesday practice he's ever had. Kelly Bryant's come out and said he's about 90%. He's wearing a knee brace. And uh, one of the better comments, which unfortunately we, we don't have it, but uh, Odom was also, I mean, he a lot of his presser was on Cale Garrett and just what that kid means to this program. Uh, he, he said Cale Garrett is Missouri. Like he's basically the reason they're, they're trending in the right direction. Players like him. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we talked about what a huge loss that is for Missouri, but is this a game, Shane, where obviously they, they lost that Wyoming game because they couldn't stop the run, the quarterback of the defense is gone, and now they're facing an Ole Miss team that all of a sudden is, it looks like the SEC's most dangerous team on the ground. They may not be able to pass it worth, worth anything, but they can <laughs> run all over you. Uh, how big potentially is this loss of Kale Garrett with this Ole Miss team coming into town. When you talk about rush defense, man, Missouri is one of the best rush defense teams in the nation right now. So that's something they've been able to do and, and stop well. And But I think a lot of that has to do with Kale, and he's not there. There's a big void right there in the middle of your defense. So it's not like they're just going to leave the spot open. Somebody's going to come in, but there's a there's a big gap between Kale and whoever comes in behind him. So um, – this this old Miss team's gonna want to run, but I'm telling you, Rich is sneaky too. He's 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 scheming up something right now, something because he realizes that he can't just let Plumtree run around back there. He's gonna have to throw the ball, uh, especially to beat a team like Missouri. Mm-hmm. Now let's uh, jump over here to Oxford Chain, where Matt Luke met with the media. Here recently, and he touched on Missouri and the challenges they face, his Ole Miss program. Uh, on the status of Matt Corral, it's interesting. It sounds like Matt Corral basically could have played last week against Vanderbilt. I didn't realize that, but I think they held him out because they, they knew that game was in hand and they just didn't feel comfortable with him taking many hits. And then uh, finally, I've heard some Ole Miss fans discuss this, Shane. John Rice Plumley maybe taking too many carries. I mean, yeah, he's a young kid. He seems like he's got all the energy in the world. But as the SEC schedule, you know, continues to grind down, you don't want this kid taking too many hits. He's far away their leading rusher since he's taken over here. Uh, I don't think they want him carrying it 25 plus times against Missouri. He's got he's got some talented backs and some some good receivers on that team. He needs to kind of share the ball, share the wealth a little bit if he's going to survive the season. Yeah, it's kind of like. You know, like Nick Fitzgerald last year, you know, he just, he ran, it seemed like every play, but Nick was a big guy. Plum, you know, Plum leads not. He, you know, he keeps taking those hits. There's going to be a time he doesn't get up as quick. Uh, moving on to Missouri, uh, this is a very, very good football team. Uh, defensively, they're very, very fast, especially up front. It jumps off the tape right immediately. These guys, they move around, they cause problems. Uh, so they're very, very fast up front. Uh, offensively, they're very physical. Have the best tight end we've played yet. He's very, very good. 
um, good quarterback, good running back, and a physical O-line. Plus, we're playing on the road uh, in the Southeastern Conference. So, uh, definitely a huge challenge. Coach Odom has done a great job, and those kids play really hard. So, um, you know, tough challenge going on the road at Missouri. It's uh, the only stadium I've never played in. So, looking forward to the challenge and looking forward to going up there. You mentioned Missouri's speed up front. What makes them so difficult stopping the run? It seems like they've really stymied people this month. Yeah, they, they, they do they do an outstanding job. They they don't stay in one place. They're they're constantly moving, stemming. Um, they're 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 very powerful and quick. Uh, so again, when you're when you're big, strong, and fast, that, that obviously is a good good combination. But they do a good job of, of moving around and uh, you know creating problems uh, for offensive lines. Matt, how do you kind of handle Matt health-wise this week? Is there a certain point in the week maybe you'll know whether it will happen or not? Yeah, I, I think he's going to continue to be better. And he, there may be a point this week where he is back to 100%. And I, he could have gone out there and thrown some. But to, to say he could have gone out there and ran the offense, you know, I don't think that yet. But, um, you know, as he gets to be 100%, we'll continue to look at it. Matt, did um, did Matt have a setback last week with his health? Because it sounded Wednesday like you were pretty confident. He yeah, and, and again, he could have gone out there and played. He wasn't yeah. – it wasn't in any danger. But to say he was going to go out there and run zone read and pull the ball yeah. and feel good about getting hit, I think that's, that's, the, that's the challenge. Uh, attention being paid to, like, how the carries are being distributed in the backfield, who's getting the touches, things like that. How much of that is attributed to – who happens to be in the game and how the RPO works out, things like that. Yeah, some some of the some of our runs uh, it does depend on who's in the game, but sometimes John Rice, based on his read, can pull it. He can give it. So sometimes you can't really control that. It's based on what the defense does, and then a lot of time we got two running backs in the game at the same time, which is good. And yeah, you know, but a, a lot of it depends on how the defense plays it as to who gets the ball. All right, Shane. So Ole Miss fired up about this one and. You know, they, I thought they had a really good showing against Alabama. Obviously lost that game, though, but then they rebound in such a way where they just beat the hell out of Vanderbilt. And mm -hmm. this getting this Missouri win, you know, whenever a, whenever a guy gets hurt, you always want to say, oh, yeah, he's doing great. He's the best practice he's ever had. He's out here saying, and I'm talking about Kelly Bryant, talking about his knees 90%. You never know how much of that is really true. Uh, I'm certainly not suggesting that they're lying or anything, but, you know, if he re-aggravates it or if he's he can't really run or he doesn't want to in this game, makes Missouri a lot more one-dimensional, I think there's a chance, based on what we've seen Ole Miss defense, I mean, their defense has been outstanding, and this uh, plum tree, as you like to call him, he really is a sensation. If he has another career game, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Ole Miss kind of, Pulls the shocking upset here. It's not, but you know, I, I think, I think, old like Ole Miss rush defense is ten times better than their pass defense, and I think that's one thing that Missouri has going for them. I mean, you got to you seen it last week with Nance screaming down the sideline, and you know these 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 guys got some talent on the on the outside. So if they're able to do that, so they can't load that box up. You know, that I don't know. I, I don't want to say upset because I think Missouri knows exactly what they're getting into. Mm -hmm. Could it, yeah, could it be an upset? I don't know. Because Ole Miss 
is really pumped up, man. They're mm-hmm. they're pumped up to kind of like the the Alabama game was like a moral victory, and then last week they just killed a team, you know, and now they killed Vandy, and now they got Missouri. So they're they're feeling pretty damn good about themselves, and that's what you like. And then Missouri was moving in that right direction, but then they took a big, you know, they took a big blow with Kelly getting hurt. Granted, he's going to be back in there, uh, and Kelby had gone. I mean, how do they react? You know, that's that's their team leaders. You know, so mm-hmm. this it would not surprise me. But I do think uh, I like Coach uh, Odom. I, I think he'll have no problem getting these guys ready. Uh, but this could this could be a good game, man. All right, Shane. Final team we wanted to hit on here. Vanderbilt coach Mason met with the media here on Tuesday. He was pretty fired up. His team obviously in a tough spot, one in four on the season. It may have waved goodbye to making a bowl by losing to Ole Miss there, but they got a real good chance of getting a win on Saturday against UNLV. They're like a two-touchdown favorite. I don't know, Shane, based on what Derek Mason had to say here, I mean, I, I, I liked a lot of what he had to say, but it sounds like Things are getting a little dicey in this Vanderbilt locker room. Uh, let's kick it over to Derek Mason, and then we'll uh, discuss it on the back end here. So that they get better, and when they get better, the team gets better. And that's where we stand today. I thought, I thought the practice was greedy. I thought guys got hungry. I thought they got fed. And now what we got to do is stack uh, days on top of days. Uh, so with that, I'll, I'll turn it over. Derek, how much of the, some of the issues is, is youth and – not being able to get, get consistent performances because these guys have not played together much. That's part of it. I mean, it, it's a it's a heavy part of the equation, but nobody really cares. You know, you, you can you can say young, you can say youth, you can say injuries, you can say all those things. But you know, I mean, you play in a conference where nobody forgives you for that. Nobody no nobody really cares about that. But you know, I man, for us, it does matter. You know, like it it matters all the way around. And again, putting those guys in the same room. You know, to to really show those guys, you know, man, what it looks like. It's not just the individual, you know, man, performance, man, but it really how it affects the outcome of of, of one play. And then, okay, man, when you have maybe seven or eight plays that look like that, or you know, man, the guys not necessarily populating to the football, and or you know, man, how we tackle, and or you know, man, and how we may not necessarily be able to get through the reprogression in order to make it happen. I mean, those things become cumulative in ball games, and when they become cumulative. You know, the effect is cumulative, man. But there were some incremental wins in this ballgame, too. Okay, man, you got to look at that, too, man, because young people don't know how to do, you know, anything. If all you talk about is the negative, then that's all they take. Okay, man, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, and the medicine was a loss. So we got to get back to work, and that's what we're doing. Kalaji was asked Saturday night after the game about a sense of panic in the locker room. He said he felt like there maybe was a little. Is that something you're trying to guard against, or is that something that you can use maybe as a little bit of motivation going forward? Well, I mean, if he says panic, uh, you know that 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 may be his feeling. The idea at the end of the day, when I talk to the to, to the leadership council and, and, and this group, is that there's got got to be a sense of urgency. You know, panic. Okay, man, is about not being prepared to respond. You know, I mean, like right now, these guys are prepared to respond. So, I mean, we just got to be urgent about the work in front of us. You know, I thought Tom Brady said it best. You know, man, the best teammate to play with, and he, and he said it the other night, the best teammates that he's always loved are the ones he, he, he never had to waste any energy worrying about because they always did their job. That's where we're at right now. Okay, man, guys got to do their jobs. 
You know, I mean, man, I don't need, you know, Kalaja or, or, or any of our guys worried about wasting energy on somebody else doing their job. Okay, when, when, when you can focus and get greedy about doing your job and gaining what there is to be gained, you become a pretty good player. And when you become a pretty good player, your team becomes a pretty good team. That's how teams get better. So that's what we got to do. All right, Shane, so you never want to hear your damn seniors talking about the locker room getting into panic mode. <laughs> but that's apparently what's going on here in Nashville. I don't know what to make of this comment. Derek Mason seemed kind of bothered by it. Maybe he this was the first time he was hearing it. Maybe it's the first time he's seeing it. But, you know, if there is panic and, and he's not seeing it, maybe that's part of the problem. But uh, I don't know. What do you make from, from these comments from Derek Mason? You know, see – thing I like about Mason, he's, he is a, he's a wordsmith dude. He has no problem talking at a mic. You know, he, he could say the right things. He's, he's clever, sharp dressed fella, you know, but when your players are coming out and making comments like, yeah, we're in a desperate mode right now. I, you know, he, he can't, he can't come up with the words to get around that. You know, it's just, it feels to me like there's a lot of finger pointing going on in this locker room. And do you blame them? I mean, here you got the, one of the best tight ends in the nation has like two receptions in the last two games. You know what I'm saying? You got one of the best running backs in the SEC not getting fed. Your quarterback is having trouble connecting with your receivers. It's just I, I could see why they would be upset. You just lost to Ole Miss by 30 points. So mm -hmm. this, yeah, I think they, they may be in desperate mode because Ole Miss was supposed to be a coin toss game, and it wasn't even close, dude. Yeah, so I don't know where they go from here, but uh, you know, talk about a must-win for a lot of these teams on the schedule. This is uh, this is a get-right game for Vanderbilt. They need to get this thing kicked off going in the right direction, because if they don't get this one, Shane, I mean, I hate to say it, but I don't I don't see Derek Mason surviving. So they got uh, some a, a ton of SEC games here coming up. They need to they really need to get this momentum going. Uh, I mean, Derek Mason's. You know, he's saying leaving it open even for the quarterback change. I don't really think that's really going to change much at this point because I think, I think Vanderbilt's kind of is who they are at this point. But uh, I think the defense, which is supposed to be his calling card, is the main issue. Uh, they need to get that unit going, and it's, it's got to start on Saturday. It's, it, that's the thing. It's got to be the defense. As much as we want to blame the offense because they got all those weapons, man, when you're a defensive-minded coach and you're giving up 30 points to Ole Miss and just don't have an answer for anything, yeah, I mean, the spotlight's I mean, it's shining right on you, Coach Mason. Mm -hmm. All right, Shane, so that's all the news I got around the league here. You got anything before we hop off? Well, Mike, I'm excited about the koozies getting sent out. Uh, again, appreciate the ratings review if you sent one. Like uh, Mike said, screenshot that to uh, SEC Mike on Twitter or you DM or uh, email. You got a email, right? SEC at Gmail. Do you do that? That SEC podcast at Gmail. Go ahead yeah. and hit us up there. Uh, DM us on, you know, we obviously on Reddit, Instagram, all that good stuff. The Reddit page is always a good place to reach us. But uh, yeah, like I said, we got a black and white, orange and white, red and white, and a blue and white. Happy to send those out, so uh, just uh, let us know that you subscribe to the show and you give us that five-star hearts and you, you know give us a rating and review. Uh, that really helps us out. We really want to show appreciation to everyone that's done that, so trying yeah. to boost those numbers out, and uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how many people 
uh, actually want these koozies, man. I want to know how many people are drinking beers with us every <laughs> every show. That's right, man. We got one, our boy Aiken out there in the on the beach. You see that one? He's camping on the beach listening to that SEC podcast. My boy is uh, he's living the life, living the dream, Mike. <laughs> that, maybe that'll be us one day. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. So, uh, but no, the ratings reviews really do help us out. Tomorrow, I'm going to be reading those. So, uh, on Thursday's show, uh, we'll have all those. So, if you got one, you haven't, you've got a phone, you haven't done it yet, uh, get it in tonight and we'll, we'll be sure to read it tomorrow. All right, Shane. So that's going to do it for this one. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Give me your rock and I was ready to roll On to California with the gun and joke he makes Benjamin's rain from the sky It's a thirst I just can't quench It's an itch I just can't scratch Somebody blow drying their hair behind you or something? It's some something's going on. Is that a leaf blower? Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I I do hear it. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's like it's like I was listening at first. It sounded like somebody's backing up, like, and it had that beep noise. But then I was like, no, it sounds like somebody's blow drying their hair. And then now it sounds like leaf blowing. What time is it over there? Eight Ain't o'clock. it dark? Yeah. Is it dark? <laughs> it is. What the fuck is he blowing over there? Jeez Louise, guy. The <laughs> lease ain't even fail yet. What are you doing out there? He's, he just got him a new toy at Home Depot, and he's wanting to show it off, you know? <laughs> I'm about to go over there and whoop that guy's ass. I'm like, who waits till bedtime to, to get the leaf blower out? And now he stops. Wait, since we start talking, he'll fucking crank it up again. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> this bastard. <laughs> All right.